Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is interconnected and interdependent, and spirituality and ancient wisdom has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons. So what you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is the practice of forgiveness with Asim Kamisa. <laughs> I hope I pronounced your name correctly, Azim. Please, thank you. I'm so honored to have you as my guest. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Please share with our listeners, Azim, your journey. You have written, I think, three books now. Four. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, four? Okay, alrighty. I'm just working on my first, so you're you're way ahead of me. <laughs> but uh, you've written. I, I love the work that you're doing with forgiveness. It's so it's so that is such a key part of oneness. Yes. When we understand that we truly are one, and and the, the the forgiveness actually, when you forgive another, you're really forgiving yourself because there is just one of us. But please, please share with our listeners your journey, your story on how you came to do the work that you're doing now. Well, uh, the genesis of my story is rather tragic. Um, my son, who was a student at San Diego State University, he worked as a pizza delivery man while he was going to college mm-hmm. on Fridays and Saturdays. And this incident happened in 1995, 23 years ago. It was the last delivery on a Saturday night. He was lured to a bogus address by a youth gang. And uh, they gave the right apartment building address with the wrong apartment number. So he knocked on many doors trying to find out who ordered the pizzas. Of course, nobody had. Okay. So he came back to his car and put the pizzas in the trunk of his car and got into the driver's side seat. And as he was about to leave the scene of the crime, uh, he was accosted by four youth gang members. Three of them were 14-year-old. Mm. And the leader of the gang was an 18-year-old. And in a gang initiation ritual, he handed a 9 millimeter handgun to a 14-year-old. And as my son is trying to back his car from the driveway of the apartment building, 
the leader gave the order busting bones. Bones was a gang member's nickname and he fired one round which came through the driver's side uh, window. It entered my son's body under the left shoulder blade. The bullet actually traveled across the upper part of his chest. It exited from his right armpit. And as the coroner explained to me afterward, he said the bullet followed a perfect path. Mm. A mm. perfect path, I queried. I thought that was an interesting choice of words. Yes. But he was very quick to tell me, Mr. Kamisa, I'm not trying to be insensitive. We do not see a path like this very often. And what it means in my lingo is that it destroyed all the vital organs in your son's body. And Tariq died a couple of minutes later, drowning in his own blood over a lousy pizza at the age of 20. Mm. The sudden senseless death of an innocent unarmed human being. Yes. The overwhelming grief of a family, the total confusion as you try to absorb a new hideous reality. And even though this was 23 years ago, Caroline, those early days are etched deeply on my mind, my heart, and my soul. I don't know what is more complicated for a parent than to bury his child. It was very unnatural to bury hard. Normally your children bury you, not the other way around. And then to make the difficult calls, I live in San Diego. His mother lived in Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. How do you tell a mother that she's never going to see her son again or hear him hug or give him a love? And uh, it took me a while, and I still remember she let out a loud piercing shriek as she fell to the floor, as I did when I got the news. Uh, and I still haunts me her scream, because every time I share this story, and I've been interviewed a lot, I can hear her scream in my inner ear. Yeah. And I went through all the emotions you would anticipate a parent to go through, you know, hopelessness, despair. I was suicidal at one point. I did not really know how to, how to move forward without my son. But I've, uh, I'm a Sufi Muslim. I meditate. I used to meditate an hour a day when my son was alive. Today my practice is two hours a day. And... Uh, and sometimes in deep trauma and tragedy, there's a spark of clarity. Every saint has suffered the dark night of the soul. And the spark of clarity for me in my tragedy, which was, I believe, a download from a higher power, is that there, were, that there are victims at both ends of the gun. I was able to see that pretty much from day one. It's easy to see my son was a victim of the 14-year-old gang member. It's a little bit complicated to see that the gang member was a victim of society, of American society, of our society. There's a great quote by Henry David Thoreau that says, it doesn't matter what you look at. What matters is what you see. And what I was able to see is that there were victims at both ends of the gun, that the enemy was not the 14-year-old who took my son's life, rather the societal forces that force many young men, especially young men of color, to fall through the crack and choose lives of gangs and crime and drugs and alcohol and weapons. That's the real enemy. So nine months after my son died, um, 
And for me and my family to deal with this tragedy in a positive way, and I'm a naturalized American citizen. I was born in Kenya, although my roots are Eastern. <laughs> and I moved to the U.S. in the middle 70s to get away from the violence of Idi Amin in neighboring Uganda. Because we were a minority, we were targeted, thinking my children would be safe in America. So it is ironic that he was really killed in a country I picked for him. Yes. I felt, and I'm naturalized American citizen. I'm a first-generation citizen. So I feel that, you know, as an American citizen, I must take my share of the responsibility for the bullet that took my son's life. Why? Because it was fired by an American child. And I think we are all accountable for the society we've created because society doesn't happenstance. Every one of us who is an American is mirrored in the society we've created. So it was with that perspective nine months after Tariq died that I decided to start the Tariq Kamisa Foundation, TKF in short, it's named after him. Yes. And our mission is to stop kids from killing kids by breaking the cycle of youth violence. And essentially we have three mandates. The first and foremost, our mandate is to save lives of children. It's important to do. I mean, think about how many children we lose. Just in the first four months of 2018, there were 20 school shootings, 20. In Connecticut, you know, Newtown, Connecticut, five, six, seven years old were slain in machine gun fire. They've got a living to do. So our first mission is to say, we must stop losing children. Our second mandate is to empower the right choices. So kids don't choose lives of gangs and crime and drugs and alcohol and guns. And our third principle is to teach the principles of nonviolence, of empathy, of compassion, of forgiveness, of peacemaking. Because when you look and see, and I started with a very simple premise that violence is a learned behavior. If you accept that as a truism, nonviolence can also be a learned behavior. But you have to teach it because our kids are not going to learn this through osmosis. Now, soon after I started the foundation, I reached out to the guardian and grandfather of my son's killer with the attitude that I'm not here screaming retribution or revenge because your grandson killed my son. Rather, I'm here in the spirit of compassion and forgiveness because what I really see here is we both lost a child. My son died and you lost your grandson, all those like a son to him, lived with his grandfather, calls his grandfather daddy, and you lost him to the adult criminal justice system. Tony was the first 14-year-old to be tried as an adult in the state of California. I can't bring my son back from the dead. He's gone. And there's nothing you can do to get Tony out of prison. It's not in your hands anymore. And I started this mission under the name of my son, Tari Kamisa, to stop kids from killing kids. The real reason I'm here is to ask for your help. This is a big job. I can't do this by myself. And it behooves us to work together because it was your grandson that took my son's life. While I can't bring Tariq back, and you can't get Tony out of prison, the one thing you and I can do, make sure no other young person in our community ends up dead like my son or ends up in prison like your grandson. That you and I can do. Will you help me? Uh, so, so fast forward 23 years with the grace of God. We're still together. I would never have met him 
Uh, he's uh, African-American, although I was kidding about that. I tell him, bless, I'm the African-American this group. I was born in Africa. You are not. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very proud of that. I, I love Africa. Yes, 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 yes. I am a Muslim. He's Christian. He grew up as a Baptist from the South. Yes. Uh, he's also very spiritual. He meditates. Yes. Uh, we are about the same age. I'm like six months older than he is. Um, and, you know, we are brothers. We've been together for 23 years. And the foundation, with the grace of God, we've created what we call a safe school model. And the safe school model has four distinct programs. The first program is a live assembly with me and him. And we are introduced this man's grandson, killed this man's son. And as you see, they're here together in the spirit of brotherhood, compassion, and forgiveness. Now, kids have never seen this. A lot of adults have never seen this. So it's a really powerful image when they see that we are different. We speak differently. We have different accents. We have different races. We have different, uh, we have different faiths. We are, there are many differences in us, but we are brothers. It's like you pointed out, we are one. And you can, you can feel the love that we have for each other. This man would do anything for me as I would for him. And we met in such a difficult and trying circumstances. And I would say, you know, transformation occurs when opposite forces collide in harmony. So true. And I could have started a foundation with other parents that have lost children. It would not have been as powerful as me starting it with him. So in the assembly, after we are introduced, this man's grandson killed this man's son, and here they are as brothers. I give my testimony, he gives his testimony, we do a Q&A, and then we do a little PowerPoint debriefing, teaching kids of how to deal with negative emotions in a proper, meaningful, and healthy way. We all have grief, we all have despair, we all have hopelessness, we all have shame, we all have anger, we all have resentment, but there are healthy ways to deal with these emotions and unhealthy ways to deal with these emotions, so we cannot process that. And, and, it's, and, you can, and you can come to, we, we, we specialize in middle years. Mm-hmm. We go from fifth grade to ninth grade because Tony joined a gang in sixth grade mm-hmm. and killed my son in eighth grade. Okay. So we've been working in the middle years for the last 23 years. And our second program is a 10-week in-classroom curriculum on restorative practices. Okay. And also dealing, making good choices and, and, and understanding what empathy is, what compassion is, what forgiveness is, what choice making is. What's our responsibility to become community leaders and be and involved with becoming a nonviolent peacemaker, just like the grandfather and I are. So it's a very powerful curriculum. And then we create a peace club on campus. Mm-hmm. And the peace club is essentially a leadership program. We have 60 different titles. And the kids can go ahead and learn how to communicate, how to be a a positive role model in their community, what are the skills they must develop as they grow up to become leaders. And then what we've learned, because a lot of our work is inner city schools, in San Diego County, there's about 1,000 kids. Between 8 and 12% of these kids are the challenging kids, Mm -hmm. potentially kids that are on a slippery slope that might get gang involved. They're not difficult to spot because most teachers will tell you. Right. So we take this 8 to 12% and we hook them with our mentors. So the foundation has mentors, mostly college age. A lot of these are street kids that have gone and graduated. 
some of them actually because of the work we did with them. And this, uh, this uh, uh, each of our mentors can work with about 15 kids. So in two years, we, we get rid of the gangs, we increase SAT scores, we increase attendance, we teach these important values of empathy, compassion, and forgiveness, and peacemaking, but we also cut suspensions and expulsions by 70%. Now, if you expel a kid and suspend a kid, guess where he ends up? Yeah. In a gang and then in the, in the, in the criminal justice system. Yes. So with the grace of God, the work has been very powerful and uh, it's been uh, an amazing mission. My first book was From Murder to Forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I wrote that three years after Tariq died. And then I followed it with from forgiveness to fulfillment, because now looking back, I've given over a thousand school presentations worldwide, talked to over a million kids. I have over 150,000 letters from kids. I know not only are they listening and learning, they're actually hungry for this knowledge, which gives me a lot of hope. Yes. And, uh, and then recently I finished a trilogy, which is from fulfillment to peace, because the work that I did, I've done the aftermath of such. It's been very meaningful. I mean, I was an investment banker when he was alive. That was about money. This is about saving lives of kids. A lot more important and a lot more fulfilling and a lot more meaningful. So the, the trilogy is from fulfillment to peace. So it started with a very dark incident, yes. murder, but it ended up in, of course, I did not know that 23 years ago that my choice of forgiveness would get me to peace. And the fourth book that I did mention was published by Random House. It's called The Secrets of the Bulletproof Spirit, How to Bounce Back from Life's Hardest Hits. It's actually a good uh, book uh, for anybody that is going through trauma. There's 30 different chapters in it, and we help our readers to go and bounce back from life's hardest hits. So that's widely available on Amazon and my websites and everything else. So let me... Uh, let me come to Tony, because I'm sure in a lot of your, uh, a lot of your audience is thinking, what happened to that young man? Yes. So, it's uh, he's 37 years old. Uh, he's still in prison, and I uh, met him when he was 19 because it took me five years of meditation yes. to finally go see him, and I told the grandfather. I'm now ready to see Tony because it's very hard to come eyeball to eyeball with the person who pulled the trigger on your child. I mean, it's not easy to do. But I recognize that for me to complete my journey of forgiveness, at some point I had to come eyeball to eyeball with Tony. It took five years. I told the grandfather, I'd like you to go with me. I'd already been working with him for four plus years. But I said, he's, you know, he, you're his grandfather. There are some holes in the story only he can complete. And with you there, he'll be defensive. I really need a one-on-one -on -one with Tony. So the grandfather was very gracious. We met together. We started together. He spent the first 15 minutes about talking mostly about Tony's life in prison. And then he left us to talk man to man. And we did for an hour and a half. And he was able to complete some of the holes in the story. But at one point... Uh, we locked eyeballs. I'm looking in his eyes. He's looking in my eyes. And we held that glance for what seemed like a very long time. I'm looking in his eyes trying to find a murderer. And I didn't. I was able to climb through his eyes 
and touched the spark in him to get that the humanity in him was no different than the humanity in me or you. And it's exactly what you said when we first started, that at that level we are all one. We are all connected and we are all interdependent. And I really felt that, that there was no difference. I actually coined this word, solular. I tell, I tell people my work is not at the cognitive or the emotional level, it's at the cellular level. And at that cellular level, which is deep within us, I felt that oneness. And I wasn't expecting that. He was very articulate. He was very well-mannered. He was remorseful. He portrayed none of the typical attitudes of a 19-year-old in our culture. I wasn't expecting. He was a likable kid. You know, and uh, at that point, I told him, Tony, you know, I've forgiven you because I've been working with your grandfather and I have forgiven you. But I also want you to know when you come out of prison, there's a job waiting for you at the Tari Kamisa Foundation. And you come and work with your grandfather and me when you come out. And I've been trying to get him out for 12 years. It's complicated. The next day, the grandfather called me and said, uh, and I distinctly remember when I left the prison, I still remember that the, that, that the stride that I walked out of that prison was a lot bouncier than the one I walked in with. <laughs> forgiveness is very freeing because I knew, I knew at that point that I had actually completed my journey of forgiveness. So the next day I get a call from the grandfather saying that, you know, I seen that meeting you had with Tony was very powerful. I said, as you were leaving, you said to me, Daddy, that's, a, that's an amazing man. I killed his one and only son. I do have a beautiful daughter, thank God. He wasn't my only child. He said, I killed, his, I killed his one and only son. Not only has he forgiven me, he's offered me a job. I'm not worthy of his forgiveness. And I'm not worthy of a job offer, but I'm going to try. And the, and the grandfather said, he, Tony never said that to me. For five years, Tony was telling me, Daddy, I'm not going to make it in prison. I'm going to die. He's a young, charismatic, good-looking boy in an adult prison. He says, you totally turned him around 180 degrees. And I said, you know, I don't know why I waited five years, because I remember when I left that prison, his name is Ples, the grandfather. I said it was very freeing for me. It was like a big albatross weight was lifted off my shoulders. And I wish I could have done this earlier. Anyway, fast forward today, he aced his GED when he was in, in uh, Pelican Bay, which is a maximum security prison, when he was 22 years old. A little late, but he aced it. He's 12 units away from his degree in child psychology. He's read the Torah, the Quran, the Bible. I just visited him about a month ago, and we sat and talked about Rumi. Mm. And good news, November 28th, he goes in front of the parole board, and uh, I'll be there supporting his parole. And we are confident that he's going to win the parole, but please send a prayer and maybe have your audience send a prayer that he's released. And then, the, then Governor Jerry Brown has to sign off. He has 90 days. So it's potentially Tony will be with us in February or March of next year. Now think about the power of him on stage when he tells the kids at the schools we are active in that when I was... 11, I joined a gang. When I was 14, I murdered Mr. Kamisa's son. I spent the last umpteen years in prison. 
I wish I could turn the clock back. It's not worth it. So we've saved him. But more importantly, he will save tens of thousands of kids because we reach between 30 and 40,000 kids every year. He will save tens of thousands of kids that might with thinking about doing what he did when he was 11 years old. And I think that is the power of forgiveness. So beautiful. I mean, my heart is so full listening to your, your journey. And it's just, it's so, everything, your, your story, your journey, just confirms everything in my heart. Um, like I said, the, the, I, I launched this show six months after my son transitioned. 29 years old, Kyle, and I have a foundation in his name. It's the Kyle Foundation, which means, Kyle means, keep your light expanding. That's what it means. And my son wasn't murdered, um, but I, I say to people, if he, his life was taken by someone else, if he was murdered, I know in my heart I need to forgive. Because I know that person, like what you experienced with Tony, right. eye to eye, I know that there is no difference. I know we are truly. So when I speak, I always speak from the soul level. Um, I've been doing this show now for three years. I've done over 120 shows. But I know from, I was reading when my son was on life support the last month of his life. I was reading two books, Your Soul's Plan and Your Soul's Gift. I know from the soul level, no one can take our life without our permission. There was a soul agreement between your son and Tony. And I know that's so hard to hear and understand from the human perspective. But we are sovereign. We are divine, all of us. And and. Your son, now, how do you pronounce your son's name? Tariq. 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 He, Tariq. He's not gone. He is so, so, so much with you. So, um, uh, meeting, I, my first reading, Kyle told me he's very proud of what I'm doing with this show, and he's my co-host. Kyle, my son is right here with me. Your son is right here with us. Even though they're not, we can't physically touch him anymore, but they're not gone. And, and there was a soul agreement with you, your son, um, Tony, his grandfather. That was all perfect. Everything is happening exactly the way it was planned in spirit. And you're, you're, you're doing so much wonderful work. And it's so beautiful that you and the grandfather are doing it together. It's just, my heart is so full. I, I want to cry because it's just... Yeah. It's such a confirmation and forgiveness. It, it's all about forgiveness and understanding when we, when there's just one of us, when we forgive, we're truly just forgiving another aspect of ourselves. Correct. But that is so beautiful what you're doing. It's so beautiful that you're doing it with Tony's grandfather. It's so beautiful that you are in communication with Tony and you, that you're, you're, you're demonstrating Forgiveness, because some people say talk forgiveness, but to demonstrate true forgiveness, 
because I've been asked by people when I talk about forgiveness and most of uh, the people know that my son is in spirit. They say, well, if he was killed, would you forgive? Of, I, of course, hands down, no, no exceptions. No, there are no exceptions to the truth of oneness and who we truly are as spirits. We are connected. We are all one. And when we understand that, when mankind awakens to that truth, there will be peace. There will be no more violence, no more crimes, no more guns, no more, no more gangs. And, and that is just, it, it just touches my heart that how you are demonstrating and walking because tragedy, all, every tragedy, we plan these tragedies in spirit, from spirit and how we respond. We still have free will when we get here. Even though we planned it, okay? But when we get here, a tragedy can put us in despair for the rest of our lives. Or I actually, you, you mentioned that there was a time you thought about suicide. I actually tried to commit suicide, not after my son transitioned. Um, I was blessed with a miracle. Three years, about two and a half years before my son transitioned, doctors told me he wasn't going to live. And I tried to commit suicide right in the hospital. And that, and he took, at that time he was on life support. This is in 2000, my son transitioned in 2014, but in 2000, it was December of 2011. Doctors told me that he wasn't gonna live and I tried to take my life, but he pulled himself off of life support. So I didn't die and he didn't die. And we both went home in December of 2011. But he did get ill again two year, two and a half years later. And at that time, but at that time, I said, if he, if I don't bring him home this time, I know that it's his soul's choice to go. But he's not really gone. And so I, I, I was at peace when he actually transitioned. But I was blessed. I was blessed with, with the the understanding that he wasn't gone and that there was a higher purpose to his transition. And there's a higher purpose to your son's transition. And I know it, it, it seems like we want them here. I know that I'm a parent, you're a parent. And like you said, a parent does not want to bury their child. And matter of fact, when I uh, tried to commit suicide, I wrote that in my suicide note. I will not bury my son, my son will bury me. I wrote that in the suicide note, but uh, I believe that during that time, Spirit said, you know, the agreement is for you to stay here and do some work and for him to come home, but we'll give you some more time to understand that before we actually take him. <laughs> you know, so I was truly blessed. And, and it's so hard um, for a lot of people to understand. I work with an organization called Helping Parents Heal. It's a wonderful organization that teaches, you know, tries to, to show parents that when your your child does transition to spirit, they're not gone, number one. And they want the child, your child wants you to go on and live a meaningful life like you're doing, you know? So your son is so proud of you. And well, he is right here. Mm -hmm. he is right well, thank here. you. Let me uh, offer you my condolences for Kyle and thank oh, you for sharing yeah. your story. And I, totally agree with everything that you have shared 
In fact, uh, the work that I've done in the last 23 years in my son's name has helped me meet a lot of important people around the world, uh, including His Holiness the Dalai Lama. I've now met him six times. I met him first time in 2004 when Pope John Paul, he uh, was very ill, but he hosted 30 people from around the world at his summer palace in Castel Gandolfo, Italy, to participate in uh, uh, synthesis dialogues. It was, a, it was made up with peacemakers from around the world, discussing how do we create more peace in the world. And I was very lucky to be one of those 30 because I can tell you, I really didn't belong in this group. It was this amazing group of people from all do. over the world. You do that, belong. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, I was just in awe of. And, yeah. uh, and His Holiness the Dalai Lama joined us for the last two days. And I took nine pages of copious notes. And I did a talk about the wisdom I garnered from him. But, you know, when he travels, he travels with an entourage. And I got really close to one of the monks that traveled with him. And he kind of shared with me what you just shared by saying that, you know, as in we, you know, we have free will. We all come here in every lifetime uh, to learn our lessons as we progress towards enlightenment, as you pointed out. And uh, uh, your soul your son and, and you had a soul agreement, like you pointed out, that he'll come to you and at 20 he would leave. And then obviously God gave us free will. You had to decide whether to, to forgive because that was your lesson in this lifetime or to go the other way. And you made the right choice. And because you made the right choice in your next life, you don't have to lose another son. And that kind of felt uh, meaningful that uh, you pointed out that all of this was pre-written, pre-agreed upon, so that we can grow our humanity and eventually become enlightened like His Holiness. And when we all are that way, and as you pointed out, we will see the oneness in everyone and we will stop this mayhem and actually be at peace within us, with our families and our community and our world. So I truly believe that's doable. Yes. I, I do. I, I know it's doable. And I believe we are as a humanity, as a society, as a human race, we are heading in that direction. We're with the work you're doing and the work so many, the Dalai Lama, I would love to have him on the show. <laughs> but it, it is, it's just, it's so true. It's so true. Like you said, you've written four books. I'm writing my first book, which is, it was, which is sharing my journey with my son. It's starting right. out that way, but it's, it's going to grow into where I am today. So right. it's just, it's so amazing to to share this, because I, I, like I said, I, I love speaking to parents who have, and I, and I say this, it's not just parents that have children in spirit, but it's anyone who has a loved one on the other, other side to understand there was that, that was a soul agreement. And in that soul agreement, the, the, your, the loved one on the other side is encouraging you on this side to do, to fulfill your purpose. So you're right now, you are fulfilling your purpose of why you came here, you know, and, and it took a tragedy for you to do that. And the same in my, in my uh, case, I'm fulfilling my purpose with the mission of oneness, awakening the world to oneness. And it took a tragedy 
for that to happen. So that it's, it's it, what we call a tragedy in truth from spirit, from the spirit perspective, it's our highest blessing, wow. you know, it's a blessing. So I, I'm so thankful that I, I actually discovered you because I, I, um, I used to work with Steve Farrell of Humanities Team because they're also about oneness. And that's where he sent me uh, your name. And he said, check this guy out. I was like, oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> well, good. Well, thank you for reaching out. Oh, definitely, definitely. So now you say that your organization, your, your nonprofit, speaks in how many schools a year? How many, how many schools? Well, I mean, we have we've probably been to 400 schools in San Diego County, but okay. I speak worldwide. Okay. Maybe a hundred presentations a year. Oh, okay. About half of them are to kids. Okay. And the other half are at, at uh, conferences, spiritual venues, um, corporations. I, uh, you know, do a lot of keynotes. I've done over six hundred and seventy keynotes. Okay. Thousands of school presentations. Okay. So the foundation's safe school model is San Diego County based. Mm -hmm. I actually do talks even in universities. I go all the way from middle school to universities. Yes. Primarily teaching you know, how do you uh, become a nonviolent leader committed to creating peace mm -hmm. in you, your families, your communities. I teach six different principles. Right. Uh, and uh, I just spoke last week uh, at a program called the Hands of Peace. They bring 25 Israeli seniors, mm -hmm. 25 Palestinian seniors, and they mix them up with 25 U.S. seniors. Okay. And I speak to them every They come for the summer three weeks to, uh, so they can all become, they can, uh, you know, uh, bond and talk about how they can create peace within their communities. Right. And, uh, you know, sometimes the Israelis and the Palestinians are not mixing very well. But after they hear my story, they start to talk to each other. That's beautiful. And I've been speaking to them for, this is the fifth year the program is in San Diego. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm continuously out there trying to promote. I said, my, you know, I have a rule that I never say no when I'm asked to speak to students because they are our future. Yeah. They are our future leaders. And my talk basically is to inspire them. Yes. And here's how I follow these six principles in my life. You can too. Yes. First, it will create peace within you. Yes. In your families, and you create exactly. bonds like the grandfather and me. Exactly. And of course, we'll create peace within uh, our, our communities and our, and our world. So exactly. we need more people doing the work you're doing and I'm doing, and hopefully we are spawning more and more MLK juniors here, you know? Yes. And it's so true what you said. Peace begins within you. Yes. It, you To, to, to share peace, to, to share the message of peace, you have to understand peace from within. Absolutely. And so then it can shine with that. But also when you were talking about the different groups that you bring together, I think it makes me think of unity with diversity within unity or unity, unity within diversity. Right. Because it doesn't mean we have to all be of the same religion, no. all be of the same culture, all have the same beliefs, or even we can see the world very differently, but we can mm. still love and respect one another. So Absolutely. that's what unity, uh, unity within diversity is all about. I mean, no one has to change who they are right. to be peaceful. 
you can still be peaceful and just it's just a sharing share you know have a sharing exchange of ideas you don't have to agree on all of them but right. you love and respect one another absolutely and i think that that uh, is true democracy although we are seeing a very divisive country right now mm-hmm. it's not that i agree with everything you and i do but it is my ability to to respect you and to learn from an opposing view because if you and i can debate something we can maybe come up with a better solution without you that's not possible without me it's not possible so the lama also said your enemy can teach you a lot <laughs> because you know if you stay with empathy and compassion and if you see yourself in the other person you mentioned that earlier then you listen with compassion you listen with empathy none of us are perfect human beings we are all fallible we're on our way so to be able to see that imperfection in somebody is to be human you know what i'm saying that even even lord jesus christ taught take the plank out of your eye so you can see the speck in your brother's eye more clearly yes so it's you know the biggest impediment to forgiveness is judgment and we are so quick to judge you know based on a variety of isms right yes yes yes, well, yes. you know i leave the judgment to the higher power you know i think that uh, that it's not uh, it's not up to us humans to judge leave that to the higher power there's a good story about this uh, i do a two day workshop on teaching forgiveness mostly to therapists and people that work in spiritual venues you know whether they are uh, you know churches or uh, mosques or synagogues or whatever yes uh, hospice nurses people that work with victims yes and uh, it's a two day it's a very intense uh, course so train the trainer Yes. So I teach three milestones of how to forgive people that have harmed you and three milestones how to forgive yourselves because at some level we've all uh we've all you know uh, done wrong things and we've hurt people sometimes once once that are closest to us so we've done wrong too so both is important forgiving others and forgiving ourselves yes I tell this story because I think it it, it really is a good way to describe forgiveness so on the morning of the second day there was a jewish lady in my class and her her name is riva and she said to me azim you don't get it she is very animated okay and I, said, and i said to her riva what is it that i don't get i am working on forgiving hitler mm really heavy and you could see the lines on her face mm. the anger the resentment mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. her family was part was murdered in the holocaust of course mm-hmm. and i said to her you know riva i can't speak for 6 million jews but let me tell you something hitler died in 4445 mm-hmm. 70 some years ago how is this working for you yeah trust me the higher power knows how to deal with hitler better than you do or i do mm-hmm. and as we speak the higher power is dealing with hitler because i truly believe there's no escaping wrongdoing karma always balances right. why do you want to stay in anger and resentment and have hitler occupy this important meager real estate of your psyche why don't you let hitler go from your psyche so love and joy can live there knowing the higher power is dealing with it so you don't have to deal with it because this is not healthy for you so she cannot got it Mm-hmm. even at the end of the course you could see a different aura in her 
-hmm. could see mm -hmm. a different radiance in her and these lines were going to fade. And she made, she made a, a big breakthrough and helped all the other people to get a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And then a month later, I got a very beautiful card from her mm -hmm. and thanking me for the workshop. But at the end, she made a PS and said, my husband thanks you. Oh, okay. We've been married for 35 years. Yes. And, and now, we have the love, now we have the most loving relationship than we've ever had. Right. Because Hitler does not live here. So, you know. Okay. You know, now, I, mean, I think I, you, hold, you hold on to some of this stuff forever. And it's, oh, when you, when you hold on to stuff like that, it just makes you ill. Like you said, yeah. Hitler died in the mid-40s. And she's yeah. holding on to something. And, and okay. Now, I do think a little, I, I have a little bit different belief in that, in the sense that when you say the higher power, I believe, this is just me, because I always come from spiritual view from the spiritual point of view. Um, spirit, universe, has no judgment. And I do believe in karma is what, I love that you use the word balance because that's exactly what karma is. It is balance. Um, but we, we think of it from how we're traditionally brought up that God is up there and we're separate from God and God is judging us. That's not my belief. No. God is not judging anyone not even hitler it's when we leave this embodiment and we're in spirit and we review what we did we look at it and we're like oh my god what how could i do such a horrible thing so we we say oh i need to go back and 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 i need to correct that i need to fix that but it's we who who makes that? It's not a higher power that says, oh, you're going to burn in hell for a billion trillion, you no. know, for eternity. That's not, my belief is the non-judgment of all people and all things is that's the universe. The, the universe, there is no, vic, there are no victims, there are no villains because that, what we call a victim and a villain, they made a sole agreement. So in truth, they agreed to do this thing in this play, in Maya, in this, this illusion, which is nobody truly gets hurt because we're spirit. We're eternal beings and we truly don't get hurt. But we, right. we, we, make, we, we plan our incarnation and we make an agreement with this person. Okay, well, I killed you in the last lifetime. So now this time you kill me. Yeah, you know, uh -huh. it's that kind. It's that kind of a play. It's that kind of a film. So Hitler, um, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Conversations with God, but in the first chapter of Book One of Conversations with God, it said Hitler went to heaven. And if you understand this, you understand everything that I'm trying to teach. Meaning there is no judgment on the other side, but there is karma, and the karma means balancing. But we also, okay, there's a, we can balance things in many different ways. Meaning, say if you kill somebody in a lifetime, and then you go back to spirit, and you're like, oh, I have to, I have to balance that karma. So you come back into another lifetime, but you can also balance that karma by saving somebody's life. You don't necessarily have to get killed to balance out that karma. So there's a, there's a positive, integrative way of balancing, and right. there's a more 
uh, separative, negative way of balancing. So you can balance that karma of killing someone by saving someone's life or being killed. Either way, it balances the karma. Because that's, see, people hear the word karma and they think, oh, that's like, oh my God, karma. Karma is balance. That's all it is. And yes, the universe is balancing. So everything is going to balance out. But it's, right. it's not like an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth type of thing. It's, it's a, and you are the one, because we are the one that creates our own reality. So when we come back, we're creating how we balance out that karma. So, Makes sense, yeah. Yes, yes. So, I so agree. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think it's very Buddhism, you know, what we're talking about. And I yes. love studying all different faiths. Yes. And yeah, I agree. There's no such thing as hell and heaven. It's all on earth, you know. Yes. Yes. You, yes. you know, you're wrongdoing. You have to balance it. And yes. as you see, you can balance it in different ways. And hopefully exactly. by singing. It's just a great piece in the Quran that says that he who murders one person murders entire humanity. He who saves one person saves the entire humanity. Yes, that's so the there one. Is a, there is a, a lot of value in what you just shared. Yes, yes, that is the one that's me. Personally, I subscribe to no one religion because of the oneness. I, yeah. I am just, it's all about oneness. I have respect for all religions, but I know that at our core, it's just right. God. All there is is yeah. God, and we're yeah. all a part of God. Yeah, and there's a lot of similarity between religions and differences when you really get down to the essence of it. And I always say that the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims pray to the same God, mm-hmm. God of Abraham. Mm-hmm. When you go yes. to Israel and Palestine, they're fighting each other. They're yeah. all cousins, you know? Yes. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. They all come from the same root. Yes, yes, so. this is true. This is so true. And, and then I, I speak, because it was science. It truly was science that awoken me to the truth of oneness. I have been studying spirituality and metaphysics for for 20, 30 years off and on. But there was a missing piece for me. I was still, I, I love studying metaphysics. I love studying spirituality, but I was, there was something missing to, for me. And what awoke me to the truth of oneness, once I understood oneness, it was a simple understanding that everything is interconnected and everything is one. There truly is no separation. Right. What woke me up to that was a, a documentary, a, a quantum physics documentary, What the Bleep. And Lynn McTaggart said, the biggest problem in the world today is the illusion of separateness. And that, that one sentence woke me up inside my heart, not my head, but my heart, to understand there is nothing but God. We're all one. And what we're, we're, we're just, we're fighting each other and when we're, we're each other, we are each other. So to me, it just made, it, everything I was reading and studying made perfect sense right. when I understood oneness. So to me, that was just, that was my awakening and that was in 2007. And like I said, the understanding of quantum physics, which teaches about quantum entanglement, that everything is interconnected, everything is energy. I call that energy love. 
Everything is energy, and that energy is interconnected and interdependent. And, and Rumi, you mentioned Rumi. Uh, my favorite quote from Rumi, and I must mention, I must say this every single show. My favorite quote is, you're not a drop in the ocean. You are the ocean in a drop. Meaning each one of us is God in a drop. Yeah, I know the quote is, but he's, uh, I love Rumi. He's a Sufi as well, of course, and there are many others. Yes. On a lighter note, Hafiz and Kabir, and uh, these are all came after Rumi. Yes. But uh, there's a great quote about uh, Hafiz. It says, I was out uh, playing under the full moon in the Milky Way last night, and I caught the happiness virus. Mm. It's very infectious, so kiss me. <laughs> That is so cute. I love that. I'm going to use that. I love yeah, that. You're welcome to use it. And another thing is I'm also the vice chair of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Okay. Yes. And do I'm you familiar. know who they are? I'm familiar. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the website is noetic.org. It was started by, uh, by Edgar Mitchell. He was an uh, uh, astronaut and had this epiphany when he was coming back to Earth. Yes. That we are all interconnected and interdependent. And uh, we, it's a scientific organization, but we study metaphysics. Yes. We study all of the aspects about, I meditate two hours a day, but we do Reiki, channeling, um, shamanic practices. Uh, it's a great organization, which is bringing science and spirituality together. Yes. And uh, the website is noetic.org, N-O-E-T-I-C.org. And they are without a doubt, proving exactly what you were saying earlier, yes. that everything is interconnected. Yes. So yes. that might be a good resource for your, for yes. your audience to you know, check it out. Yes, yes, I am familiar with it. And I do have, I mean, I've had Dr. Bruce Lipton on the show. I'm trying mm -hmm. to get Dr. Greg Braden on the show and uh, Greg Braden. Um, mm -hmm. I, 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 I have a lot of scientists on this show as well yeah. as spiritual people because... Yeah. I, it, science, truly, today's science, modern science, is saying the exact same thing spirituality has been saying right. for eons. This is so true. It's not really being taught that way in schools as yet, but it is so very true that spirituality and science are actually saying the same thing. Yes, I, I believe that too, yes. Yes, 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 yes. So when are you going to air this show? Excuse me? Oh, this show will air actually um, in not this Friday, but next Friday, which okay. is not the 3rd of August, but the, 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 second, the second Friday in August. Okay. Yes, yes. And please. So I, have a, I have another engagement to go to. So okay, I'm going to let you go. But before you leave, can you please share with our listeners how they can find your work? What, what, share your work. Oh, website. sure. Yes. So my personal website is azimkamisa.com, which is A-Z-I-M as in Mary, K-H-A-M as in Mary, I-S as in sugar, A.com, azimkamisa.com. And they can find me there. Uh, I am also on all the social media. And the foundation's website is T as in Tom, K as in King, F as in Frank, dot O-R-G. TKF.org. It's a very robust uh, website. Okay. And, uh, if, if you have audiences that are uh, that are teachers or school based, then I think it would be important for them to learn 
about the resources we have in the foundation. And all of my books are on my personal website. Uh, and uh, there's a host of stuff also on YouTube. You just have to go to YouTube, put my name in. There are many interviews like yours, uh, talks, and everything else. So um, there's plenty of stuff on the Internet. And thank you again, Caroline, for thank having me on the show. Oh, I, learned, I learned a lot from you, though. Oh, well, <laughs> which, I I love, which I love because uh, yes. normally, you know, I'm doing the teaching, but I love, I love uh, your philosophy. So thank you so much for sharing, and I will definitely send a prayer to Kyle tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Love you, and I will keep following you, and we'll stay in touch. All right. Namaste. 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 Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.